This is the Talking Property Podcast, brought to you by Reword.com, the home of WA Real Estate. Thank you for listening to Talking Property, the show in which we discuss all aspects of real estate. Now, here is your host, Harvey Deegan, together with our expert commentators, Rob Druitt and Rod Bryan. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest podcast of Talking Property, proudly supported by Rewa.com. And time to introduce our regular panellists, Rob Druitt from Druitt Shed First National in Doubleview. How are you doing, Rob? Fabulous. It's been another exciting week in real estate. Tell us how exciting. <laughs> well, the latest Rewa figures show that uh, the numbers are still flowing through, certainly with sales uh, tremendously. We've got over 900 sales for the last week, bearing in mind that uh, this time last year there was only 520. So there's a lot more activity happening. And uh, the amount of stock in the market remains fairly stagnant. It's not rising. It's at a point where supply is uh, much under the demand. So that's starting to drive prices up throughout the market. And the rental market is very tight, with less than half the number of properties available than this time last year. Interesting. You're finding similar situation at Defratus and Ryan, Rod Ryan? Yes, we are. And uh, again, very buoyant market, very, very strong market. And as Rob just said, basically it's twice as much. We're twice as busy as we were this time last year. Mm. Well, looking from the perspective of someone who wants to rent a property, well, what sort of bargaining power do they have given the circumstances at the moment? I would imagine not a lot. Well, it's flipped around a bit from where it was, mm. say, 12 months ago mm. and maybe 18 months ago where we had vacancy rates up to 6%. Mm. Uh, the vacancy rate now is below 1% uh, and that's forcing up rental prices and obviously there's a lot of people looking for rental properties and a lot of applications coming in. So it's those tenants that have been good tenants, have good references, they will be the ones that will be able to get another property. It's all cyclical as we know, Rod, but are you finding that in some cases you might have a property, I don't know, that you're renting for, say, $450 a week. Are you finding that in this current climate people are saying, listen, I really want that, I'll give you $500? That that is actually happening and Mm. it's happening more and more. Mm. So sitting tenants, of course, you know, can't increase the the rent Mm. uh, during this COVID period, but we're getting properties now that that were rented for, say, we had a classic today, one that's been rented previously for $480 a week. That's now gone on the market for five fifty a week, and we had 16 people go through it on a Monday. Mm. So that just highlights what I'm talking about. So it is very active, very busy, yes. Rod, we spoke to your daughter, Kim, who's a real estate agent mm. in Melbourne, a vastly different set of circumstances applying there, and we know the reasons why. Mm. Um, so are you getting any inquiries here in the West from people interstate and, for that matter, internationally? Well, yes, we are. Um, the, the the interesting thing is that even in Melbourne, talking to my daughter, she's telling me that people are buying properties now sight unseen, just it's so difficult to see them. Mm. Um, we've also had ones here where people have purchased properties recently from interstate and they've had other people come and have a look at them on their behalf. So that's the way that some of that's happening. Overseas-wise, we've had people, uh, expats, returning home and wanting to get back into their properties. And one of my neighbours in Fremantle's just experienced that. They had their property released for 18 months. People have, uh, that own the property have can now come back and 
wanted to move back in and then they've had to come to an agreement with the tenant to move out. So, yeah, there was removalist expenses, I'm told, and a few other things. But, uh, yeah, there's a bit of that going on at the moment. And you're getting a few international inquiries, I guess. That stands to the reason that you would, Rob. We are. We're getting inquiries from expats uh, looking to coming back to Perth, hoping to get back as soon as they can. And, of course, they've been working overseas. They've got money. They want to mm. buy a property, and they know that Perth, <laughs> Western Australia, is about the best place in the world yeah. to live now. Mm. Indeed. We have a packed program for you folks, and we have a very special guest to introduce after this. Now to introduce the first of our special guests on Talking Property, and it's Paul Donovan from MDS Legal. Paul, welcome to the show. Harvey, great to be here. Thanks very much for inviting me on. It's uh, been a couple of years since Talking Property uh, on radio, and it's a fantastic initiative to see it all back together, I'm sure. There's a lot of people in Western Australia who'd be uh, tuning into the podcast. And how has COVID and everything else impacted on the legal profession from a property point of view? Well, I, I think particularly during the shutdown, property, uh, as with real estate agents for conveyances, uh, whether they be lawyers or settlement agents, um, uh, had a bit of a downtime. But I think generally the optimism in the market that you've just been describing has been something that's been flowing through to conveyancing and general commercial work. So far as litigation is concerned, the work that I do, uh, that's been going uh, pretty gangbusters. So people are still taking action against each other. And I think that there is some confidence. And as you mentioned earlier in the show, we're in a very different position than, say, Victoria. Can you just draw the distinction between a property solicitor such as yourself and a settlement agent? The way I see it is that a settlement agent is very, very useful, very required for very simple transactions. Do you sort of step in when there are a few complications in contracts that need to be negotiated? Yeah, well, until the 1970s, lawyers used to actually have a monopoly in relation to settlements and all sorts of property transactions, including very simple ones. And quite wisely, the government came along and they said, well, we're not going to allow there to be that monopoly any longer. And so um, the idea of the settlement agent or the settlement clerk grew up um, I should add that uh, whilst there are a number of independent settlement agents with settlement clerks, a lot of law firms, including my own, have settlement clerks who are employed who can uh, perform settlements uh, using um, the scale rates so they're not as expensive as if you'd had lawyers doing, dealing with the matter. But on the other hand, if a problem arises, they can walk next door and ask a fully qualified lawyer um, as to what perhaps the answer is to a tricky question that might arise in relation to the settlement or default or something like that. Laws are always changing. So uh, how important is it for you, very important, I would imagine, for you and your colleagues uh, to keep abreast of state government legislation developments? Oh, look, critical in all aspects of the law. And that's been reflected, I think, in the practice of the law since uh, I first entered it many moons ago. And, and that is, is that there's far more specialisation. So the idea of the general practitioner who does everything uh, is less and less of a, a feature of practice of law in Western Australia. There is a specialisation and there's something that that certainly most firms, even if the firm itself does a wide range of uh, law and provide legal services, there are individuals who specialise within those firms. Paul, within the industry, there's often a bit of misunderstanding, isn't there, where REWA fits in and where the state government fits in. And uh, we're back with the Department of Commerce now, aren't we, with DEMIRS, or the Department of Industry, Mines, Regulation, Safety. (laughs) (laughs) And within that is the regulatory body for the industry. But there is a bit of misunderstanding amongst the community, isn't it, as to who actually looks after the real estate industry. 
Yeah, look, I, I think that there's a number of government departments that have a role in the real estate industry. The primary one is DEMOS, and uh, the Real Estate Institute also has a role of its own in self-regulation and in dealing with its members. But, of course, the Real Estate Institute is uh, an associated corporation and it doesn't have a legislative role. Its role, as I say, is with its members. The legislative role and the legislative oversight of the real estate industry is largely the province of DMERS. But there are other organisations, such as the ACCC. They're involved in uh, perhaps looking at issues such as misleading or deceptive conduct. But DMERS is the primary regulatory body in Western Australia. And it'd be fair to say that the real estate industry is well regulated, both by state and federal bodies. Yeah, I think most people would be surprised about how much regulation does apply to real estate and real estate agents in the conduct of real estate. The DEMOs have a very, very close role in the way that they supervise and it is available for consumers to go to DEMOs if they're not happy with that. DEMOs will often try to to have a reconciliation process in respect to any disputes that might arise that perhaps don't indicate a breach of regulations or legislation. But they're also, if necessary, uh, able to take action uh, to enforce... um, regulations and the Act. And again, a lot of people don't realise that there's actually a code of conduct that's enforceable by DMERS in relation to the conduct of real estate that deals with a whole lot of obligations that are upon real estate agents, including an obligation that real estate agents have to actually ascertain the material facts that are pertinent to a real estate transaction. And then real estate agents must advise interested parties of those material facts And that's something that does give people, I think, cause for some confidence that when they go into a real estate transaction, that they are being made aware of those material facts. It doesn't mean every tiny little minute thing that might arise. It has to be material to the transaction, but that's something that is a a ready consumer protection that's available in the uh, regulations and code. So let the buyer beware has sort of uh, disappeared quite a lot these days, hasn't it, really? Yeah, the old caveat emptor yes, yeah, that used right. to apply um, in days gone by, that, that's mm. well and truly no longer the case, even in general commercial life in Australia. Although there's not a general duty to disclose every single thing, uh, there is a duty to disclose mm. in commercial life something that the party would expect to be yes. uh, disclosed. But in real estate, it even goes further. Any material fact is something that has to be ascertained or reasonable steps have to be ascertained by the real estate agent and then they must be disclosed. But there are other obligations upon real estate agents as well. They must act in the best interest of their principal, their client. They have to exercise a a level of due care and skill and they have various duties, including in relation to monies that they hold on trust accounts, uh, to act in a manner in which they're complying with their fiduciary duties. And you might hear that term often used on television and that sort of thing, but it's basically a duty of good faith and it has a number of aspects to it. And they're all obligations upon real estate agents and, quite frankly, if they don't comply with it, as with other um, professions like lawyers, they can be held to account. Just what are some just, of the... Sorry, sorry, go on, Rob. Just with trust monies, I must tell you a funny story. The other day, one of our young fellows sold a property... And uh, anyway, he came to me and he said, he said, the lady wants to pay a deposit, but he said, I don't know what this is. She's asked me for a stamp. 
And I said, a stamp? And he said, yeah. Anyway, I said, well, I'll go and see the lady. So I went and saw the lady, and what it was was that she had a checkbook, and she wanted us to put, you know, Defratus and Mine Trust account on the check. <laughs> and it was so funny because this young fella just, he, he'd never seen one before. <laughs> and uh, anyway, we, we did that. And a bit later on, I said, um, did you do a receipt for the check? And he said, um, oh, where's the check? The check was still left in the lady's checkbook. And, uh, <laughs> and she I didn't realise you got to <laughs> pull it out. <laughs> That's right. They had to tear it off. And, but anyway, things have changed a little bit. But yeah, well, I think there'd be a lot of young lawyers who yeah. just wouldn't deal with checks in the same way as we used to, the old yeah. dinosaurs. Now, just give us a little bit of an idea, maybe lightening up a little bit here, mm. Paul, some of the more interesting disputes that you come across and that you've got to sort out. And I'm thinking, really, you know, neighbour versus neighbour. Do you get many of those? Oh, yeah. Look, um, <laughs> the, 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 there's a lot. And... Unfortunately, neighbourhood disputes can also be mm. really, really emotional disputes. People sort of approach them in a sometimes like a, um, a family law level of mm. vitriol that, that can exist. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I always say to people who are involved in that, they have to try to put aside the emotion of it and try to focus on the commerciality of it because you can really tear yourself down. But I remember years ago when I was a young guy... Um, there were two blokes arguing uh, regarding a dividing fence uh, and uh, dealing with a tree and they had river views and one guy had alleged that uh, the other bloke was trying to grow the tree in front of his house so that it would block his view out. So, you know, people can really, really... I had some good friends of mine where they got involved in a, a dispute and at one stage someone tried to run the other guy over in a car and, you know, these are all over dividing fences. Yeah. But people can be... Very emotive, but of course they can have high impact on properties as well. Um, it's not just whether or not you're going to have the fence made of reeds or or uh, some form of uh, other cons- uh, construction. It can also be cutting out a view and it can be closing in a backyard or it can be issues of privacy. So people can really get very, very emotional about that sort mm. of thing. Paul, if people would like to learn more about MDS uh, Legal, and I think I'm right in saying this, I think this used to apply two or three years ago, last time we spoke, you're happy to have a chat to people, no obligation uh, for an initial consultation, I understand. Yeah, no, absolutely. If people want to give me a ring and Mm -hmm. just say that they've heard us on the podcast, um, certainly be delighted to have a a bit of a chat. and, uh, And if someone's got a legal problem, we can always give them advice as to whether there's anything that we can do to help them out. Uh, what's your phone number and uh, website details? So um, phone number 9325 9353 uh, and website just mdslegal.com.au but yeah just look us up MDS Legal or Paul Donovan Lawyer will even find you mm. uh, the spot. Indeed. Paul, thank you for your time. I know you're a very, very busy man and uh, we do appreciate your time on our Talking mm. Property podcast. Great, great to be here Harvey and good to see you Rod and Rob. Terrific. Thanks very much, Paul. Thanks, Paul. If you're a first home buyer looking for a change or you're in the market for an investment property, then you need to visit rewa.com. Yes, you can keep the West Australian property market right in the palm of your hand simply by downloading the rewa.com app. With the rewa.com app, you can find your next home with all the latest properties right at your fingertips, wherever you are, just by downloading the rewa.com app today from either the App Store or Google Play. 
Finding the right real estate agent is important and you can access that information easily because Rewa members are registered on the app. Simplify your search for that ideal property by referring to the Rewa.com app, now available from both the App Store and Google Play. Time now on Talking Property for Agents Corner and we've got a real special agent to introduce to you on this edition of Talking Property. His name is Scott Swingler and he is a award-winning agent from Space Real Estate in Cottesloe. There's a build-up for you, Scott. Wow, thanks, Harvey. Welcome to the program, mate. <laughs> Good to be here. Now, you know, I know you're a very self-effacing fellow, but we've just got to point out that you were top of the wazza last year, 2019 Agent of the Year. Tell us about it. Oh, just a busy year like all of them, but I was lucky enough to, to win the award last year. But you know, they're all busy, and we do the best we can. But uh, yeah, it was good, good to get recognised. Mm. Tell us a bit about your agency, where it is, and uh, your profile out there. So we're Space Real Estate. Our offices are in Cottesloe, and we look after all of the western suburbs. So we've got someone within the office that looks after all of the key suburbs within the area, and I look after City Beach specifically myself. Okay. And your background, how did you get into the game in the first place? 20 years ago, I was running a bar in Rotnest, and I got offered the job over the bar and um, came and started and have been in the gig ever since. And you're pretty much, they, they call you the, the trusted opinion of City Beach. You're the man. Thank you, Rob. That's, that's good to be. I try to be, yes, yeah. Try to be there to help people with any, any sort of inquiries that they've got and, and help them through the situations that they might need help with. Now tell us, what's happening in City Beach at the moment? Because I understand there's a lot of inquiry and uh, the properties are selling. Yeah, it's busy. It's been at this COVID period has been a real eye-opener, the opposite of what you might have expected, particularly in our top end. So I liken it, you know, everyone looks at a city like Perth, they talk about the brain drain where everyone moves, um, you know, gets gets educated, moves out to see the world and does their thing. It's like the brain drain's coming back in reverse and they've all been in global cities with good incomes and are familiar with high real estate prices and everyone's wanting to move back to the safe environments that environments that we have because of COVID and we can't get enough houses. I sold a house last week for approaching six million dollars and that was good. But the owner I had ten buyers over between mm, four and eight million dollar budgets that I'm mm. still trying to find properties for, which is unheard of. I mean mm. just to find one in that category maybe six months ago was, you know, they were re- reasonably thin on the ground. So it, there's been a real change in the market. Are they all locals or are you getting some in- inquiries from overseas? <laughs> so lots, uh, there's lots of locals, there's lots of people who've come back, but I reckon there's probably 5% of them that have got in. The number of people we're talking to from New York, Hong Kong, Singapore, Cape Town, the east coast of, of who can't get in, the east coast of Australia is... You know, so a large, a large group of buyers. So, feels like it's just the tip of the iceberg, and and it's affecting rentals as well. So, rental stock is low, sales stock is low, and you just can't get the properties. So, are these people looking to invest or to actually move to WA? All about home buying. All yeah. about home buying. So, you know, one guy that I was dealing with, he uh, has recently um, put his business. Um, his business has gone 
um, virtual online, and so he's not paying rents anymore. Wants a nice place to to work from. So all of that money is able to be channeled into the own into his own home. So really, the whole thing with COVID nineteen, it's a game changer, isn't it? So we're seeing are they going to the the, the big corporate companies or, or their businesses and saying, look. I don't need to be working in New York anymore or Paris or wherever. I can now go to the best place in the world, Perth, Western Australia, <laughs> and I can live there and I yeah. can work there. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know that they're going to the companies and requesting this. It's just happening. So one of my clients who's just come out of Houston uh, was working working alongside his workmates in the same office in Houston. They've all gone to start working from home. His mate from the desk next door to him is working down the road in Houston. He's in Perth doing the same job, and it's... No one knows any different. They're all, you know, so that's the sort of thing that's going so on. So why wouldn't you want to live here? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So that, that's really going to have a very strong impact on the top end of the market. And really do you is. think the sellers who have been waiting patiently for like about 13 years, mm. <laughs> do you think they're now going, wait a minute, here's an opportunity to finally get the property sold for the right price? I think they will. I don't think they all realise that there's that opportunity quite yet. And we don't know how long it's going to last, but it's... Mm. But it's certainly there at the moment, isn't it? Is, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the big things I think is that when you've got the interest rates, I mean, if you've got a $500,000 mortgage, you're up for about, what, 15000 a year to hold the property. You know, in the old days when interest rates were 10%, 17% and so on, it was costing you fifty dollars or $75,000 a year to hold it. And I think a lot of people aren't putting places on the market because they're, you know, they're able to hold them and so on. That's my thoughts. Scott, you mentioned overseas interest. What about from interstate? Yeah, a lot from interstate. So I have had... Um, people calling, a guy called me the other day on behalf of his parents in Victoria who've never really spent any time in WA and are looking around with the idea that they'd just like to move here because of the COVID frustration. I got cold called from a buyer in Sydney this week who I'd never met about a property I'd sold 18 months ago that he'd somehow found online and wanted to know if the buyers would sell it again. I've had a guy trying to get in from Cairns and has been knocked back four times on COVID to see a particular property I had for sale. He's been knocked back four times and there's not a single case of COVID over there, but it's so hard for these buyers to get in. And that's what I mean by the fact I think this is the tip of the iceberg. If these other buyers are allowed to get in, this this you know stock supply issue, both in rentals and properties for sale, is going to be even worse. How do you see the advances in the top end of the market, which you deal in, Scott, Mm. compared with, say, the median and then the the lower end of the scale? It's a really interesting question because I think the COVID period has a different story that's affecting each end of those markets. Um, I, I heard you guys just as I came in talking about the government stimulus for the building and the blocks on the outer end of the the city and that's fueling that end of the market for obvious reasons but I was talking to one of the guys down in um, in Dunsborough and yelling up only yesterday and he was telling me that the big eye in yelling up for the mid-tier properties but has been all these people who worked in the mining industry and were commuting from the east coast and have been told they need to live in WA to retain their jobs have looked around and thought, well, there's a, there's a place that's affordable, gives us a good lifestyle, we can fly in and out from Bustleton. I think they can fly in and out yeah, from Bustleton. They can. They can. Um, and so that market has no properties available for rent and nothing available to, to sell, and it's been fuelled by the fact that the borders are shut also. Quite interesting. Uh, just a point in regard to the, the obvious demand for these properties. I'm a, an old ex-Victorian real estate agent whereby every Saturday I do four auctions or whatever. In Perth, it's never been much like that. 
wouldn't you think at the moment that the way that things are going, it's just going to become very, very strong auction? It has to be, Rob because and Scott, because if you've got that sort of demand happening, and I think that'll further make the market really catch on fire because once the public get out, once they attend these auctions, once they see the demand for property, it's going to be a very, very exciting time, I believe, for, for agents in Western Australia. Yeah, look, certainly. I think you'd be mad not to run a campaign. You'd be mad not to run a campaign that didn't have some kind of competitive mm-hmm. you know, yeah. advantage, whether it's a deadline with offers or an auction campaign, just so that you can remove the price and embrace that competition yeah. and see where things might go. Because it must be very, very difficult for you, you know, in, in trying to price a property when you, you know, you're talking in numbers of five, six, seven million dollars. Must be. You could be, be out by a million. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> you could be. It's, I mean, it's not a crazy comment. You no. could be at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly with the the way the market's shaping up. But online auctions too, maybe take a different life now, and particularly if you've got bidders from eastern states and overseas. Yeah, I understand particularly the online auction process has taken off a lot on the east coast at the moment where everyone's stuck in, particularly Victoria, where they Mm. are stuck in their homes. I have never run one myself, so I wouldn't profess to be an expert. All right, Scott, congratulations once again. You touched on your award as uh, top agent in 2019 you've got a string of other awards i'm reliably informed what have you picked up what's on the mantelpiece what do the trophies say oh God, that's a bit embarrassing <laughs> oh, the, the, the industry has standard awards that they give out to everyone each year i think there's one called a grand master that we've won a few times but i've only won that that top award once yeah oh well done that was a great great achievement and a, and a big year considering that the 2019 year wasn't an easy year in real estate no. it was just at the back end of it it was just starting to improve and we've had a long run-up to that over the last five six years with a receding market I, I suppose you'd say in city beach it's been a bit topsy-turvy and it's varied and it goes from lack of stock to a bit of oversupply of stock but it's certainly a lack of stock at the moment yeah absolutely that's what what's fueling things at the moment and particularly at that higher end so where do you see it from here Oh, it's really hard to predict, isn't it? If only, if only we all had the crystal ball. Look, I think things are good and, you know, make hay while well, the sun shines is always my, my thoughts. Where things will go and how this whole COVID thing will play out is, is anyone's guess as, as much as mine. I'm sure there are people listening to this podcast who have got a property that's perhaps at the top end of the scale and they've been vacillating whether or not to, to sell or not. Now would seem to be a great time. How do they get in touch with you, Scott? Look, probably, probably to flick me an email is the best, Scott with a double T at spacerealty.com.au. And if you Google my name or, the, or Space Real Estate, our company, all of our details will come up. Excellent. Thanks for joining us on uh, Talking yeah. Property and we'll have you on the show again in the not-too-distant future, Scott. Great, guys. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Well done, man. Now, if you have a question about any aspect of real estate, go to our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Talking Property Podcast and send us a question via Messenger. Now, please include your phone number so that we can talk to you on the show about your query. A very, very important part of the property industry are mortgage brokers. And uh, we have a bloke, well, he's been around for a year or three in this particular role, I think 41 years. We'll get him to confirm or deny that. And I'm talking about Peter Erze from Select Mortgage Services. He is a licensed mortgage broker. Welcome to Talking Property, Peter. Thank you very much, Harvey. I'm starting to feel old now. Well, mate, you've been in the game for a long time. How's it changed over those years, the role of a mortgage broker? Uh, 
I tell you what, uh, admittedly, I haven't been a mortgage broker over that time because back in uh, 79 when I first started, I don't think they even knew what a mortgage broker was. There wasn't uh, anything in existence back then. It was more or less just you went straight to the banks and, and that was it. Uh, I don't even think uh, the, the building societies were only just sort of starting up in those days. That's right, Peter. And I think it was Western Australia that uh, actually led the way with mortgage broking and started the whole process. That's correct. And, yeah. uh, of course, it spread across the country and now providing an extremely important service uh, right across the real estate fraternity. And, Absolutely. Uh, why did you select down a banjo, mate? At the moment, that's where I live. I did have an office as of last year, but uh, obviously with the downturn in the market, what I've done is I've actually had a purpose-built home where it has a separate office and uh, and staffing. It has its own toilets and facilities. So it's really a case of, like most mortgage brokers these days, we're trying to reduce the, the outgoings because we see most of our clients in their own homes. So there's not really a great uh, need to have an office these days. Did you pay cash to the renovations <laughs> or did you get a mortgage, Pete? <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I must admit, uh, when I built the home, I'd, I'd originally planned to be there for, for the next sort of 20-odd years, but I did move out of here when our uh, business grew. But obviously with last year, with the, the downturn, uh, we took the uh, the avenue of sort of trading down a little bit, but... Uh, I haven't looked back since then. Mm. And and I must admit my clients haven't seen anything different because I'm still seeing them in their own homes. And with um, um, internet, etc., it's really like uh, we're just on the other end of the phone as we are at the moment. Generalising and bearing in mind we've been through the COVID experience here and uh, unfortunately in other places it's uh, still on and much worse. Uh, but the overview of the mortgage uh, market pre-COVID, during COVID and now as we're coming out of it? How do you see it? Pre-COVID, I think West Australia is a lot different to the rest of the country. We've had some pretty tough times in the last couple of years. And looking at last year, there was a, quite a downturn in the market. There was a lot of people struggling with the mining downturn. And unfortunately, as a mortgage broker, it was a bit depressing last year because a majority of our clients were either splitting up financially because of a lost jobs and um, relationship problem. And I think coming into the end of last year, the market started picking up with the uh, improvement in the mining game. And it just started to sort of tick along January, February, and we saw a lot of light at the end of the tunnel. The market started to pick up. We saw a lot more activity at home opens and obviously through our uh, the connections through our agents. And it was doing really well until COVID hit. And obviously, like everybody else, we all sort of battened the hatches. We then got numerous calls from clients asking for um, holds on their mortgage. And in fact, at one stage in March, we just couldn't answer the phones quick enough. Uh, it was a case of I was getting numerous messages, like we're talking in the uh, hundreds of, of people just ringing to say, look, what can we do? They just really needed to talk to someone to try and get those options. And I think uh, with WA, because of the closed borders, we had a great advantage because the impact wasn't as great as the, the eastern states. And, uh, and looking where the market is at the moment, look, uh, I don't think it can be rosier. From what we're seeing, the number of inquiries are coming through are very, very high. There's a lot more activity out there. 
And in fact, that probably leads us into all these grants that uh, are coming out. It's an amazing turnaround, isn't it, Peter, from where we were, uh, where we fell off a cliff in April to where we are now. And those government incentives, Mm. which is probably a great thing to talk about because they were, I suppose, done on the fly, weren't they? And uh, all of a sudden we were trying to find out what exactly, how do you qualify, how much money can you get, what are the terms and conditions? And that would have been a challenge in itself considering there wasn't a lot of information about it other than that the government, both federal and state, were throwing money at the industry to get people to build. I've never seen that many or this much cash or that many grants available at one time before. This is like historical. Mm-hmm. And I can see, obviously, it's the government's getting involved trying to uh, obviously boost the market. Uh, and certainly Oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, I must admit, historically, I, I think about the number of calls I, were getting, I was getting from parents saying, how do I get my kids into their new home? And uh, I'm starting to wonder whether the benefit was because the kids were getting extra cash or whether the parents just wanted to push them out of the home. <laughs> it's questionable there. <laughs> but, uh, but when you have a look at the number of grants, like I categorise four lots of grants available at the moment. The first one being, and that is the, the most popular, and it's been in the, the system for quite some time, it's the Government of WA First Home Buyers Grant for permanent residents. And that's sort of done in two parts for established homes and for people who want to buy uh, land and construct. And for established homes, basically, it assists for stamp duty rebates. So if you're buying an established home up to 430000 you don't have to pay any state revenue on state revenue land tax, which is equivalent to about $14,440. It's discounted from purchases from 430 to 530 and obviously then cuts out at 530 so then you have to pay your normal land transfer stamp duty. However, for the established homes, you also get a cash payment, and not everybody knows about it. You can be eligible for a $10,000 cash payment when you're purchasing a home that has been newly constructed and it hasn't been lived in, and this is the first sale. Or if the home you're buying, established home you're buying, is substantially renovated, you could still apply for the cash payment of the $10,000. The second part of that is for uh, buying land and construction. And there's two parts to it. The stamp duty rebates, when you're purchasing land up to 300000 you don't have to pay the land transfer stamp duty, which is a saving about 8835 And then that's discounted for land purchases up to 400000 And with that, there's also a cash payment for anyone constructing. And we can use that within the loan. So that's the first grant. The second one, Rob, you'd probably be more familiar with it under the Real Estate and Business Agent Supervisory Board. It used to be called the old REBA grant. The $2,000? Yeah, a lot of people yes. don't realise that if you buy through a real estate agent that uh, you're entitled to that as a first-home buyer. Yeah, and they, they now call it the Home Buyer's Assistance Account. You must live in the property for at least 12 months starting from the purchase, and it's a grant of up to $2,000 really depends on what you spend on the fees going in and that can be paid after you purchase the property. The only thing is there's a maximum purchase price of 400000 there. It was interesting to note that if you are a first-time buyer and you're buying with somebody else, you can still apply for the grant but get a 50% of the $2,000, which uh, was quite interesting. Hmm, I've learned something. I didn't realise that. 
yes. I learnt something too. In fact, that was about three months ago. <laughs> There's all these little rules that sort of uh, pop out when you do your research. But the third grant, or the third uh, uh, assistance package, and that's from the WA government, and that's the building bonus grant. And that's the one that started from the 4th of June. It's $20,000 cash, and it's to anyone who are, who's building a home in Western Australia that signs a contract before the 31st of December this year. And the construction commences within six months of the contract. And that's from the WA government. It's to owner occupiers or investors. So there's a bit of a choice there. Great for developers because, you know, if they've got something with, say, three titles, they can get three lots mm. of it, can't they? $60,000? Yeah, so absolutely. It's a, it's a big bonus to, to get people to, uh, to start building. And the last one is the, the Commonwealth the Government's uh, Home Buyers Grant. And that's really for Australian citizens who wish to build. And certainly within Western Australia, uh, anyone signs within, before the 31st of December 2020. And the construction has to commence within three months of the contract date. So that's mainly for building. However, that scheme also allows for renovations. So... If you're an Australian citizen who wants to renovate your home and you're going to spend at least 150000 and you have to sign a building contract with a builder before the 31st of December. And the construction has to then obviously commence within three months of the contract. So there are some limitations to that one, though. Other than being an Australian citizen, there's some income limits, meaning that uh, single income is a maximum of 125, or if it's a joint income, a maximum of 200000 So you can see there's a fair amount on offer and, and you can understand why the phones keep ringing. And yeah, people and need the right advice, don't they, to know what they can get. Absolutely, absolutely. Unfortunately, some of these schemes aren't very clear. Like when we talk about that first scheme that I spoke about, first home buyers, well, there's all sorts of little rules in there. Like if you'd purchased a property after the introduction of GST on the 1st of July 2000, and you rented that property out, never lived in it, and now you wanted to buy another property, but it's going to be the first one that you physically lived in, you're still eligible for that first-home buyer's grant. Very interesting some, stuff. Uh, Peter, um, how do people get in touch with you? You've obviously just got a wealth of expertise, and I know you're very happy to pass that on to anyone uh, interested in uh, using you as an intermediary to negotiate a loan. So how do we get in touch with you? Absolutely. You can either find me on the web or by ringing my mobile or office number, and I'll give that to you if you wish, 0419 or the office number 94173399. Probably the best bet is to for people to get on the computer, go to Select Mortgage Services. Mortgage Services. And all those Absolutely. details will be there. Peter Urza, Absolutely. thank you very much for joining us on Talking Property. It's Excellent, wonderful. Thank wonderful. you very much. Looking to buy, sell or rent a property in Western Australia? The good news is that for all of your property needs, just visit rewa.com. They can help you find your next home with all the latest properties right at your fingertips. It's sensationally easy to find exactly what you're looking for in the property market just by visiting rewa.com. On rewa.com, you can save all of your favourite home and property searches. 
If you're looking for an expert real estate agent in your preferred area, use the Agent Finder resource to access and compare Rewa agents. For all your property needs, visit Rewa.com, the home of WA Real Estate. Guys, if there's one theme that has been evident during this podcast, it's been the sense of optimism. And everyone that's been on this particular podcast has enunciated that. There's Paul Donovan, there's Scott Swingler, there's Peter Erze. So times are good. How long are they going to last? That's a good question. That's what we don't. <laughs> that's the question everybody would like answered. But what we do know is that it is exciting times at the moment. We've had a long run up to it in Western Australia over the last five, six years, and our market is definitely starting to turn. It's varying between different markets. Very interesting to hear from Scotty in that top end of the market is really strong and there's a lot happening there. Some areas of the market with apartments and so on are still a little bit sluggish, but they will catch up. And of course, the rental market's very strong. So it's exciting times ahead. Mm. Wouldn't you agree, Rod? Yes, I'd agree. I I also believe that uh, Western Australia has got you know a lot of catching up to do. And I think where that started to happen for us, I'd suggest back in December last year, uh, I've feel that there are some sort of pitfalls ahead of us perhaps with uh, the COVID business but I just think that there's there's just this huge underpinned sort of strength in the market that's going to come through. They, they're not going to be able to stop it. So you've got people that have you know, wanting to come back and you've never heard people talk like that about people wanting to come back and, and, and live in this state so so strongly as what's been mentioned today by Scott. Um, then you've got Peter Erze with all of the, you know, the explaining all the government money and the incentives and so on. You, you, you can't stop that. That's just started now with all the builders and so on. And then you've got um, with Paul, you know, the, you know he's saying that... Um, there's just so much sort of positivity in everything that they're doing as well. So, and you and I both know, Rob, that you know we go to work and uh, we don't get much time for a cup of tea at the mm. moment. It's busy. That's really good. Rob, thank you. Rod, thank you. And most important of all, thank you out there for joining us on Talking Property. Thank you for listening to this podcast of Talking Property with Harvey Deegan, Rob Jewett and Rod Ryan. The Talking Property Podcast was brought to you by Rewa.com, the home of WA Real Estate.